This is Ryan Watches a Movie, where we get our friend Ryan to watch a movie and tell us what he thought. Gun balls in the lobby yard. Watching the Grubbian Crawl. Magi. <laughs> if you're listening to this, don't even waste your time. Hello and welcome to Ryan Watches a Movie. This is episode number 215. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? Good. Got Ryan Holes. How are you? All right. Now, before we get into the show, uh, I know that this is a movie show, but I wanted to talk some soccer. Now, bear with me. We're going to talk uh, about this briefly. Listeners, please don't turn off your, uh, the show just yet. But a lot of exciting things have been happening. We've got Copa going on. We've got Euro going on. Ryan, you're a huge soccer fan. What's, what's, what say you to this? What did you think of the U.S. loss last night? Uh, they played like assholes, <laughs> and they got blown away by the number one team in the world. Yep. So it was a it was a four nil score. <laughs> did you did you uh read anything or catch anything highlights or anything, Kevin, with this match? I saw the second goal, and I was like, "Oh, it's over." <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was kind of sad, but more the one goal, the free kick goal. You can't, no matter who you are, you couldn't stop. Well, no, no, no. Stop that shit, no problem. Yeah, Messi, that was like the most perfect. I mean, he hit it. It was way up in the the top corner. There's just no way anybody was getting that. It was a perfect shot. At any rate, the... One perfect shot? It was was a perfect shot. Yes, one perfect shot, one might say. (laughs) So, in the Euro, Iceland played today. Now, Ryan, did you watch this match? No, I was watching uh, the Portugal game. Well, you missed out. I don't know why you'd watch well, I got the Portugal game. Yeah, so the, the Portugal match ended in a 3-3 draw, and the Iceland match was 2-1 uh, against um, Austria, and it was fantastic. It was like one of the best matches I've seen in a long time. It was just... Pure energy. Pure energy from both sides. Uh, I would say that both teams were pretty equally matched, and it was just, it was so exciting. It was way more exciting than the U.S. match. Uh, Iceland scored in the, I believe it was the 94th minute. It was seconds left on the clock, and they scored. Uh, they were already going to, if it ended in a draw, they were already going to make it through the group stage regardless, but... Now they won and they play England. Yeah. It's almost it's almost a bad thing that they scored that last goal because they were going to be through anyway. Austria was going to get knocked out, and if they if they tied, they would have been in a much easier uh, bracket to deal with. And now they have to go up against England, and I think Spain is in there, and Germany, and all the and France, and Germany. Yeah, so they're they're. It's kind of, they, they almost shot themselves in the foot with that. But regardless, super exciting match. Uh, I'm really rooting for Iceland because it was just, they killed it. It was, it was really, really fun to watch. Oh, like Wales Kansas now. Oh, yeah. Those are the two teams I've been watching, Wales and Iceland. Wales because I have lineage there. Iceland because I just, I love that country. And I'm always, I always root for the underdog anyway. That's that's what like in the in the Euros I like friends, but I like the word for the underdog a lot too. I honestly believe 
that Iceland has a decent chance of beating England because they've been playing like shit, and I think that they have a solid opportunity to beat them. Wales beat them, so I feel like if Wales can beat them, then Iceland surely has an opportunity. Yeah, but then you win, you play France. That may go on a shoot myself. Well, the fact that they that they got in in the first place, they consider that a win. So anything else is a bonus to them at this point. Yeah. So at any rate, we'll we'll get back to movies now. What movie do we have you watch this week? Welcome to the Dollhouse. Welcome to the Dollhouse. This is from 1995. We picked this in honor of Wiener Dog coming out this week. Same director, Todd Salons. Uh, there may be some other connections, too. I don't... Because the, the main character in Welcome to the Dollhouse, Dawn Wiener, is in... She's in Wiener Dog. However, I think that it's... What Todd Salons likes to do is have Dawn Wiener be in his movies. There's the character name, but I don't know if they're really related in any way. Do you, can, can you speak to that, Kevin? I cannot. No. I'm not sure. Because I'm fairly sure, wasn't the, the main character in Palindromes was Don Wiener too, right? I don't know if it was the main character, but there was a, I'm pretty sure there was a character. Oh, it was her, her funeral. She was dead, right? I think so. Because I may be getting that confused with Life During Wartime, but I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. We'll come back to all of his other movies. I have a synopsis here. An unattractive seventh grader struggles to cope with inattentive parents, snobbish classmates, the smart older brother, an attractive younger sister, and her own insecurities in suburban New Jersey. Ryan, tell us a little bit about Welcome to the Dollhouse. So the scrub Dawn is in Middle's room. Her older brother has a band, and he's real smart. And her younger sister is a cute kid, and she's very manipulative. And Dawn has one friend, and his name is Ralphie. And later on in the movie, she completely turns her back on him for whatever reason, and loses that friend, so she has no friend. But uh, this this girl. I don't even know where to start with this. Um, this girl's in school one day, and this guy is tormenting her. And eventually, the teacher gives them both detention. And the entire time that the teacher is hugged her, this kid is just mouthing, fuck you. And now they slurs at her left and right. And apparently the teacher doesn't know it. So they, they, the school bell rings and everyone goes home. And she's walking out the back door of the school. And he pulls her out of a, from around the corner, he pulls her aside and tells her, that he's going to rape her, and they get interrupted by a custodian, and they part ways, and later on he calls her and asks her why she left so early, and he wonders today. So apparently now this kid's like her best friend, even though he's her. 
and was legitimately gonna rape her like five minutes before. So he tells her to uh, come back the next day because he really wants to rape her. So she goes back and they end up kissing and I guess sort of falling in love a little. Um, meanwhile, the older brother, like I said, he's in a band. And he's got this one other guy named Steve that is like the perfect looking guy and older guy. You know, everyone loves him. And this girl eventually tells the younger badass guy that he can't, she can't be his girlfriend. Because she is in love with this kid, this older kid. And of course he freaks out. And she then finds the older kid with another girl. And gets all depressed about that. Then the younger kid is taken out of school by police to be questioned about drug dealing. And he takes the fall for, I forget if it's his son, Adder, his brother. I think it's just his friend. Oh, okay. I think it's just one of his friends at school. So he takes a fall for the skin. And his dad is ready to shoot him off. And he decides to run away to New York City. And she goes and visits him. Wife packing his bags, and he tells her that she's running away, and asks her to come along, and she says no, so he just goes away. Well, then, uh, her, her mom, she goes home, and her mom's heading out the door because she has to go pick up her dad because her dad's car broke down, and she wants to do. She wants this mental child to tell the young girl that she won't be able to pick her up from L.A. practice. So this girl agrees and doesn't tell her sister. And her sister ends up getting kidnapped and taken to a fake dude. So she goes there to look for her sister. Meanwhile, her sister is found, and it turns out one of the neighbors creepily kidnapped her. But her mom is absolutely excited about the fact that her little, her youngest daughter came back in the the picture, and pretty much it's on, like doesn't care that this middle girl ran away and damn it now I can't remember what happened she comes back and that's pretty much the end of the movie they go to Disney World oh yeah they just go to Disney World alright so what did you think of Welcome to the Dollhouse uh it was kind of funny because uh like at the beginning this little Ralphie kid 
they have this girl Dawn. They have this this little clubhouse called the Special Mabel Club. And the first thing they show is clubhouse. They have a dead bird chilling in a uh, <laughs> shoebox. And for that, it just gets wild. I wish I could point out everything that made me laugh. And, but, like, at first, when I was watching it, I wasn't sure if it was supposed to all be serious, but it was pretty funny. And it just continued throughout the movie. Yeah. Now, Kevin, you were going to be rewatching this. I did rewatch this. Did you get a chance to watch this? I did not, no. Oh, way to drop the ball, Kevin. <laughs> That's what I'm good at. <laughs> yes. Not going to disagree with you there. <laughs> I did rewatch this because it's been years since I've seen this movie, and I've been meaning to go back to it because this was the first uh, Todd Salon's movie I've seen. After this, I saw Happiness and then Storytelling from there. But uh, this one, I, I forgot how, you know, it's like his movies are kind of known to be shocking, I guess. Would, would you say that, Kevin? Like, he, he's kind of, um, I think sometimes I think he gets compared to John Waters. I'd say they're, they're a little, I would say they're more unsettling. Yeah, he plays with some really dark themes. And because his movies are typically comedies. It, uh, yeah, he, de- he, de- he definitely, here. yeah, he definitely pushes boundaries of, of the norms, especially within, it, within like happiness. Happiness has some really serious yeah. stuff in it. Yeah. And I almost had you watch that one, but I, I had you watch this one because I, it was an excuse for me to rewatch it. <laughs> and this one, I, it does the same, but in a much more subtle way, like the whole kidnapping thing and how. They don't show it, but they talk about how the, the the neighbor guy built like a dungeon in his basement and kept her chained up in this dungeon. And just the way that these kids talk to each other, you're just like, oh, it's, it's just it kind of makes you feel a little like it's wrong to be watching this. When they talk about the finger fucking. Yeah, my uh, my my first reaction was. Man, I hope I was this horrible when I was looking. Because they do some terrible shit at the other and say some terrible Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, def- it's, it's definitely a movie about misplaced aggression. Because throughout the movie, you just have the kids getting bullied and then those kids bullying other kids. Like, Dawn bullies her younger sister, even though she gets bullied by the, the one kid that she ends up kind of hooking up with but he gets bullied by the the popular girls who don't invite him to their birthday party and it's just i think it so accurately portrays that time in our lives where you have this kind of misplaced aggression towards other people i have a question shoot in, in the moment uh this this badass skin Steve Rogers. And she, this Dawn girl, calls him a retard at one point. Oh, that that character, yeah. And he gets angry, obviously. But they really don't 
say anything else about it. Is there like a important aspect of the whole movie that I just missed? Well, he was making fun of her and stuff, and then all of a sudden she she called him when she called him a retard. That like really got to him. Like that clearly upset him a lot. And then they had that conversation when he took her to the dirty mattress to rape her. Th- th- that's when he revealed uh, that his that his brother was mentally ill. So that that's why it got but to him. It, it like doesn't affect the movie as a whole. Well, I think that it it speaks to that kid's uh his, like his psyche, you know, like what gets to him, like he has a soft spot. Like he's looking out for his brother yeah. and he doesn't want people to make fun of his brother. It it adds a softness to that character. Whereas prior to that, you just assumed that he was this the rapist. You know, psychopath rapist. <laughs> the potential rapist. Yeah, and he was like holding a knife to her throat and he was like he kept threatening like when when the first time he tried to rape her didn't work he was like same time same place tomorrow i'm gonna rape you for real and she went like it was just i don't know and this this ralphie character why they why do they call a faggot though like was he really gay well i don't know if he was really gay but he was just a weird little kid. I mean, he was carrying around a dead bird in a shoebox. Well, Tom? Huh? <laughs> I don't know about all the time, but when the one scene we saw him, he was doing it. He's just a strange, he was just a strange little kid. And because he was a strange little kid, they, the, other, the older kids lashed out at him because he was uh, different. So they, so they naturally call him a faggot. I, I remember hearing the word faggot over and over. Well, they didn't even, it wasn't just him, though. Like, there's a scene towards the beginning of the film where they're beating up another kid, calling him a faggot. And, oh, that part. Okay. And Dawn came to the kid's rescue, and and the kid, what did he do? He called her a lesbian. Yeah. He's like, don't talk to me, lesbo, and then ran off. <laughs> and then there was the scene where the girl bully forced her to to take a shit and she watched yeah, that that was really odd too. <laughs> it's just a series of really uncomfortable moments but at the same time i think that it was i, I think that todd salon's really i think he really locked into that that time period and what it was like to be a kid growing up then that is definitely the proper way to describe his movies yeah. It's, just, it's just a series of uncomfortable events that you have to watch. Yeah, yeah. But I think that they're, they're just, they're so fully fleshed out. That's, that's the thing. Like, he always uses a lot, of, a lot of characters, and each character has their own distinct traits. And that's one thing I like about his movies, is, is his characters all, are always so unique. Even in, like, I didn't like Dark Horse. That was my least favorite of all his movies. But even that had some really distinct unique moments in it let's talk about the director todd salons let's Uh, do it so get into it so his the first film that he directed was called uh, fear anxiety and depression and i never saw that one sounds yeah app title for his first (laughs) film so that that came out in 1989 did not see that one did you see that one kevin no i remember i wanted to see it but i heard it wasn't very good uh, and then he came out with Welcome to the Dollhouse in 95, 
followed by Happiness in 98. For some reason, I thought Happiness came out before Welcome to the Dollhouse, but it makes more sense. Uh, then Storytelling in 2001, followed by Palindromes in 2004, then Life During Wartime, Dark Horse, and most recently, Wiener Dog, which is coming out this weekend. Now, Kevin, I think you've probably seen a lot of these, right? Uh, well, yeah, pretty much all of them except for palindromes and fear, anxiety, and depression. You didn't see palindromes? I thought we mm -hmm. talked about that. Nah. That one, that one is, is his, I think, most surreal of all of them, where he has uh, a protagonist that changes actors every few scenes. So the, the, main, yeah, yeah. the main character changes. It's the same character, but he gets different actresses to play the main character. I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting way of telling a story. I have to check that one out then. And if I remember correctly, you liked Life During Wartime. I did, yeah. I liked that one a lot, too. I also liked Dark Horse. I mean, I wasn't in love with Dark Horse, but... I, I wasn't really big on that. It was okay, I just didn't think it was anything special just him him trying to return that action figure mm. i love all of that now they ryan ha that ryan have you seen any of his other movies uh well i think you saw you as you know i used to love to buy movies and just let them sit on my shelf on open and i think i bought happiness and storytelling and never you, you have like a box set of Todd Swanson. <laughs> all his entire work completely unopened. Uh, storytelling was an interesting one. I remember that came out right when we were getting heavy into into film. That was, and that was like but a big one because Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it's the one with Leo Fitzpatrick. He has cerebral palsy in it. And I think that was the main reason we watched it. Well, by that point, we knew the director. So I think we knew we were... the director, but I think we were so we were just super excited because it was Leo Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah like holy shit! Uh, I remember this one was was famously censored, and in order to kind of lash out at the, I guess it was the MPAA, he drew the giant red box around the sex scene with Selma Blair. Remember that scene? And it was like the giant red block that covered everything up. That was a really disturbing scene. To this day, I don't know if I've seen the uncensored version of that. No, I haven't. I don't know if it's ever been released. I, I guess it has. It exists somewhere. Yeah. Fucking somewhere. That one was, uh, so that one was split up into two parts. I remember there was a fiction and a non-fiction section of that movie. I remember Conan O'Brien's in it. I don't remember that. Yeah, he he shows up at the end, plays himself. Hmm. Oh, it was like a, okay, I think I'm starting to remember. Was it like a fantasy sequence? Yeah. Yeah. And Happiness, which I remember we saw and both both you and I fell in love with that movie. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Really great ensemble cast in that in that movie and a lot of really disturbing. I'll never forget the first time I saw that the jerk off scene with Philip mm -hmm. Seymour Hoffman. Mm -hmm. It was so horrific and disgusting. There's so many disgusting things in that movie. And him using his own semen as like glue to put the 
picture yeah. on the wall. <laughs> so wow, you're absolutely your wife to Isabel. Now you're making me not want to. Got no, it's still worth seeing, even even though that scene is, and that's not even to me. That's not the most disturbing scene. There's no, because there's the whole plot line with the dad. Yeah, the whole uh, Dylan, Dil- Baker. Dylan Baker's character, Bill, Bill Maplewood. That that whole that whole plot line is so deeply disturbing, and it's a comedy though. That's that's the thing. And I remember the way that they started that movie. The, it was the interaction between John Lovitz and Jane Addams. Mm-hmm. And she was breaking up with him at the he dinner gets, table. Oh, my that, God. He gets that speech. That whole interaction, that scene, I mean, it was just amazing. It was such a perfect way to start this movie. Just just fantastic. But getting back to Welcome to the Dollhouse, rewatching it, you know, I think when I saw that movie, I was pretty young. I mean, I was, I don't know, probably like 13, 14 when I saw this movie and it had to be right when it came out. Cause I think I got it on pay-per-view. So it was like shortly after it came out and I really liked it as a kid because I was like, Oh, that's like, you know, reminds me of, of my life as a teenager, you know, in middle school. I'm living right now. I can relate, <laughs> <laughs> but watching it now, I just, uh, I have a, I think a deeper appreciation for it when you watch it now. Because it is such a 90s movie, too. It just feels like a 90s movie. It came out right when the, the indie film boom was happening in the early to mid-90s. And it's just, I think that it so perfectly encapsulates that, that time period. And also, I think that there's a lot of filmmakers now that, that are drawing influence from his work. And we just don't see movies like this anymore. No, it's not, there's, yeah, there's not a lot of people. Where you have these really kind of like biting comedies. Like now it's like all gross out stuff. Yeah, it's either gross out or just just plain action action comedies. Yeah, horror comedies. It seems like everyone's trying to force comedy into genres. Yeah. The genre film. Or, Or you have the indie comedy, which is typically very dry. Like very dry conversation based. Just stuff. Just awkward interactions with yeah. people where no one really says anything, yeah. and they're just awkward. And I'm not, I'm not saying that those are bad or anything, but just watching this, it's just, it feels so refreshing to to watch a movie like this where it's, it's got this kind yeah, of cynicism you, to it. You, and it, but you also got to think because he has such a distinct style. If someone did come out with a movie like that, I think that they would be, they would be piled on. You know, I think for just biting. Yeah. Fighting him. Possibly. Possibly. I think that there are definite shades of Welcome to the Dollhouse in uh, Jared Hess's Napoleon Dynamite, for sure. I mean, this, when, that... I, watch, when I watch this, I'm just like, wow, it, this is like it's such a precursor to Napoleon Dynamite. That's actually exactly what I thought, too. It I mean, is, it, it, just the like character, the characters, and just. The weird main characters, and uh, it's, it seems very clear to me that he no, had to have been influenced by yeah. this movie. But either way, ooh, what a great movie. I love it. Uh, let's find out what you thought, Ryan. Let's give you your drum roll. What do you think of Welcome to the Dollhouse? Uh, Five out of ten? Yeah. Uh, wow. All right. Middle of the road, mediocre. I thought it was going to be much higher than that. I thought it was going to be, yeah, I thought it would, I thought it would be too. I'm so confused. 
I'm, I don't think I'll ever get a game go on this far. Yeah, but huh? you were, you were saying like you were you were laughing. You thought it was really funny. Yeah, it didn't what, sound like you is, have really any negatives. Yeah, the, the, you know. So let's let's dive into this score a little bit. What what makes it a five? What what were some of the criticisms you have with it? Some uh, acting and dialogue. Mm, acting and dialogue. Interesting. Um, but I thought that dialogue was making you laugh. <laughs> the dead bird made him laugh. laugh. <laughs> oh, it's the imagery. It's the visual comedy that's getting him. There was that one scene when she had the hammer and she was going to bash her sister's head in with the hammer. And said, you're so lucky. Yep. And then went to bed like nothing happened. Yeah. Oh. So... What do you think of Wiener Dog? Have you heard of this? Seen any trailers? Do you no. know anything about it? But watching this gonna make me want to watch it now. I'm really excited. Really excited for Wiener Dog. I think so. I think it premiered at Sundance. Maybe if I'm not mistaken. Uh, got got very a very good reception out of Sundance. And from what I understand, it's like a series of stories that are connected through this one dachshund who enters the lives of these various people. Uh, it sounds very much like the kind of movie that this director makes. It's got a great cast. We're, we're talking Greta Gerwig, who plays Don Wiener, uh, Julie Delpy, Kieran Culkin, Ellen Burstyn, Danny DeVito. Uh, uh, what's her name from Girls? David Mamet's daughter, Zosha. Is that how you mm. Zosha Mamet. So, good cast. Uh, trailer looks good. I like the fact that in the one still image, Greta Gerwig is wearing an old Apple t-shirt. And I kind of want that t-shirt, actually. It's the old with the old uh, Macintosh smiley face. Hmm. What do you think, Kevin? Are you excited for Wiener Dog? I'm excited for Wiener Dog to see it in like seven months. Can't wait. Don't worry, you'll get it in two years when it hits Netflix. <laughs> my options this weekend right now are Jungle Book and what was the other one that came out like seven months ago it's Hotel like, oh, Transylvania 2 <laughs> oh uh, <laughs> you made me uh, <laughs> yeah, those are my options what's the movie called what's what movie called the Minion movie. oh Minions <laughs> Despicable yeah. me. I think you said despicable me. It was yeah, this is, this, those are my options. So I mean, we'll get Wiener Dog at some point in time. I'm sure. I just gotta wait patiently. I don't think you will. I don't think this is one you'll get. <laughs> no. Something tells me this is one that you will not get. You'll have to wait no. for it to hit VOD. Okay. I mean, okay. I'm hoping that maybe it'll have a short theatrical run and then have a quick turnaround time to VOD. That seems what a lot like what a lot of these. Uh, indie films are doing yeah, because I think that, that that's the, kind of what I got to hold up for. The the gap is shortening. Like soon, yeah. soon it's just going to be the big blockbusters are in theaters. Everything else is on VOD. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, or at least just do like a week in between, right? Or even two weeks. I'm fine with that. I mean, we're we're seeing a lot of day and date stuff too, where things are being released in theaters and on VOD at the same time. We're seeing more and more of that. It used to be just kind of the garbage that would do that, but now we're seeing some bigger releases do it as well. Yeah. And I don't know 
I actually don't even know who's distributing Wiener Dog. Anapura pic Anapurna pictures. Oh dude. Yeah, so I don't know if they even do any VOD stuff, so I'll wait even longer. <laughs> I don't know yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen with that, but hopefully it'll be available to everyone in only a short amount of time. Any final thoughts, Ryan, on Wiener Dog or Welcome to the Dollhouse? No. You both may think my Miles scoring. Oh, your world has has come crashing down. Maybe maybe what you should do is actually watch some of his other movies and then kind of make a determination based on his other stuff. All right. So um, I think to me this is probably my. I think happiness may be still number one, but this is definitely number two. So also, if uh, any of you were watching the new season of Orange Is the New Black. I was watching it last night, and wouldn't you know it, there was a scene where two of the characters, it was a flashback, two of the characters were coming out of a movie, and they saw Welcome to the Dollhouse. The poster was hanging oh, really? prominently. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yep. It was, and it was like, clearly, you were supposed to see that. Yeah. So... All right, I think that that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net, at filmpulsekevin, and at my legs don't work. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw and Ryan Holes, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. See ya.